King Size presents The Long Talk with Matt Robinson. A deep dive into a uniquely portable magic with the magicians themselves. So after the absolute gut punch of Ripper Country, uh, the next collection that a lot of us know and love of you is Dark Lines. So tell us, Jack, about Dark Lines. Cool, yeah. So whereas Ripper Country, obviously the stories were very much tied together, Dark Lines is essentially just a collection of, of 16 stories, I believe, in the end that are not tied together. They're just 16 pretty much random experiments, I would call them, in, in, in horror and dark fiction, looking at all different types of subgenres and styles and um lengths etc so yeah it just a collection of short stories really and i love the ray bradbury quote there at the beginning of the novel if we try to deny the darkness in our souls then we'll become ourselves completely dark <laughs> yeah i to be fair i had that before i had any of the stories that that quote i was like that would be a great uh, thing to put at the beginning of a book so yeah that was uh, that was pretty easy to to put in there but but yeah that's essentially what it is they're, they're, they're very um psychologically dark i would say a lot of the stories dealing with a lot of uh, misdirection twists and turns and the, the the ultimate goal for me in all honesty was just to experiment and to try new things having had ripper country and, and the stories be of a although they were very different in their own ways they were set like i said around that, that same subject matter in that same time period and very much a gothic horror sort of feel to it whereas these are all very different there's some black comedy in there there's some um it's a creature feature we have you know vampire story we've got some very real grounded things and some more experimental shorter pieces so so yeah i just wanted to try and sort of stretch my legs with these and just go through all various types of what ifs and see what could happen and also try and find my own sort of niche i guess um and i feel like i did that with, with some of my favorite stories in the book that they will be very um sort of reminiscent of what i've gone on to do for my third book because I, I wanted to do something that's rooted around more the human trauma side of, of a thing. And I wouldn't even call it horror, to be honest. I guess it's just dark, dark fiction, if you can call it out speculative fiction. So, yeah, I was just trying to graft out what I want to do moving forward, I guess. Yeah, well, I love that, you know, phrase of you know, dark fiction because it feels really appropriate. It's like, you know, I, I didn't want to introduce you at all as a horror author. Or a, yeah, because dark fiction, though, seems a really, really appropriate uh, phrase. Um, it just covers so much. And there's, you know, this book is just so rich with some of those human traumas. and uh, But some really beautiful, funny moments as well. Which of these are your, you mentioned some of your favourites. Which are your favourites? Um, I'll, I'll always have a soft spot for, for React, mainly because that was the first thing I sort of put out there for people to read. Although I'd, I'd done Ripper Country and it was going through the process of, of being edited and, and put through by the publisher, React was the first thing that I had done without a uh, bigger story in mind. So I released that as a short story on its own on Amazon. And that was the first thing I guess I started to get um reviews and feedback on from, from outside parties. So that was, and it's still... I think it's my, oh, I think Ripper Country is like the highest rated book I've got on a uh, good read story graph, et cetera. But, but as a short story reacts, it's, it's still doing pretty well. So yeah, I would say that and, and driving in the dark again, 
that come not long oh, after I React. But that was very much the sort of thing I, I want to do moving forward that looks more... And, and I suppose, in a sense, the Devil's Mountain in that, in that human element to it and being a bit sort of... Um, the the horror is more in the head in the mind sort of thing so yeah the, those those ones were were great fun for me to do and i suppose the end of the line was was like that as well the character studies i think is what seems to interest me yes um at the, at the moment and but i didn't know that obviously until i started doing i suppose then you could look at things in river country like things like the barber and, and they they have those elements to them as well so mm-hmm. i think all the things are pointing towards me trying to do something longer um and then the, the story i've literally just finished i finished it yesterday is the longest thing i've written so far and that is very much a character sort of study in the style of a driving in the dark which i'm really looking forward to, to getting that one out there but yeah th- those those ones are my favorite yeah. from, from this collection without a doubt although they were all fun to write there are a couple of ones in there that i consider to be um I wouldn't say duds, but I could have done without them. But I, I wanted to try and do, you know, like something's a bit lighter or a bit, you know, shorter, and yeah. to see how it, how it, how it sort of mapped out. But yeah, um, it's not necessarily that the stuff I prefer reading as such, but but in terms of writing, those those sort of stories seem to come to me more more naturally. I think. Mm. Well, you mentioned one of the ones there, uh, driving in the dark, and it's it's such an emotional story again it's it works on so many levels um you got we we got your love of the boss in there right (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah absolutely yeah that that, again i would say that one probably for me is is head and shoulders above the other in terms of Mm. favorites for for, for my Mm. sort of side of things mainly because a lot of what you read is is true it is is from the heart so to speak because i i used to do that commute for a very long time um and obviously i'd have, have my springsteen tunes on etc and and so a lot of that character was built around my own experiences and, and emotions i'd go through when when doing these long commutes and having it set at the the time of year that i was writing it as well was was quite helpful and, and i was able to sort of bleed those elements into it quite quite easily um so yeah no i i have a soft spot for that one and i'm so pleased to see it still does pretty well on, on amazon goodreads and that oh yeah as as it should and it, it feels like some of these stories are you know without knowing you but but very personal very lived in experiences like the devil's mountain again i i, I spoke about for me you're very much a writer who captures both character but you capture place really really sharply and vividly um and you know again devil's mountain and i think you allude to it maybe the notes that that's somewhere you've um, or, or some similar you've experienced with with your partner, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. T- tell us tell us about that. <laughs> it is an actual place. It, in mm. um, very much drawn from from reality. It is uh, a man made uh, hill or gorge or whatever that's out in not gorge, that's, you know, a man made hill out in the uh, Grunwald Forest in Berlin. It is a, an abandoned spy station that my other half took me to one one winter's day when we were on holiday in in, in Germany, and yeah, it, it was it was so creepy when we went there, like the, the mist and all those elements. I've got the pictures. It, it was very much drawn from the experience we had when we were there and it was so isolated and out of the way. And at the time I didn't think, Oh, this would make a great, you know, story for, a, or a great idea for a horror story. Even though I had that silent Hill sort of <laughs> feel to it. That was back in 2017, yeah. I want to say. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we, that, those two characters were very much based on that sort of, period that we were in 
as, as the, sort of a new couple in that sickly stage. And that was, again, a lot of it was, <laughs> was drawn from, from reality. Yeah. Uh, even as far as like the, you know, some of the legends surrounding the place, I wanted to tap into that as well. And I know a lot of people know about this place either. I'd never heard of it until until she took me there so mm. yeah um when i told her about the idea and i was like oh, i've got this idea to do to do this and he was like stop turning our memories into horror stories it was a lovely day <laughs> and i was like yeah it was a bit it could have you know it could have been a bit creepy so so yeah those descriptions and everything is from yeah. from memory from pictures and and just mm. how it generally felt there at the time it was it was pretty surreal i think when we went there there was a couple of people looking around but on the whole it was mm. yeah it was something out of um a Call of Duty, a Silent Hill game. It was, it was quite bizarre, really. But well, absolutely. And the descriptions that you have of this labyrinthine, um, you know, kind of abandoned place. It's, it's, it, they're so detailed and they're so specific. But the reader always knows exactly where they're at, and culminating into when we get to that top floor. And I just got this horrific sense of Blair Witch, which, uh, you know, for me worked so strongly within this story. Um, Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that because that that was something that as I was working my way through it, I thought that that has that sort of, in a way, a found footage (laughs) sort of feel to it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, with the stairs and and, and obviously the stuff on the wall. And and I think Blair Witch did inevitably come into my mind when I was doing it. but yeah, I, I've actually recently I went on a, a pretty lengthy drive and I, I was sent a, an audio of, of the the audio book for The Devil's Mountain, um, read by Thomas Gloom, and it's my first revisit to it for a while. And I was it, yeah, I was I was quite um, entertained almost by by my own <laughs> yeah. stuff for a little bit, even though <laughs> the, the ending is is not to everyone's taste because I, I do leave it again quite abrupt, quite open. I do jump forward in in, in time, so to speak, at the end, yeah. which I don't think a lot of people suspect. And I think you either love that or hate it. And I've seen that in the um some of the um the reviews and comments that have come through. But that's fine because again I yeah. wanted to try something. Okay, what if I were to end it like this? Mm. And I had other ideas. I I could have spent longer on on that ending and but I wanted to try something that was a bit more abrupt and open and ending it with some sort of, you know, like I said, a found footage sort of almost like an article thing I thought would be quite cool and almost just seeing it could have gone numerous ways. I could have spent more time on other things, but yeah, ending it that way. And I'm so glad you enjoyed it because especially with the um, building of that atmosphere and the descriptions of the place, although it was it was all from memory and all from pictures, it's a very difficult place to describe because it is so outlandish. Um, it's so vast, but at the same time, it's 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 yeah, it's it's a weird, weird place. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad you. Saw oh, very much, and and I it. really appreciated the ending because for me, again, it, it allows me to fill in those blanks of hang on a minute, you know, how is, is Hyde guilty? You know, is the boyfriend yeah. guilty? Was this all? You know, he's there at the moment, you know, and he's moved on. He's got a new life, new partner, but is he carrying the secret? You know, how how real, how reliable a narrator is he? And I'm always fascinated. And I'm always fascinated by the unreliable. Unre- I'll try that again. Right? <laughs> I'm always fascinated by the unreliable narrator. Back from Alex Garland doing it in the beach to Scott Fitzgerald doing it with the Great Gatsby, you know. And there's an element here of you. Oh, I don't know if I trust this guy. Uh, and that's how it should be, right? Because you're not spoon feeding this to us. The beauty of your short stories are, you know, there, there's a twist, there's a momentum. It's not over explained, and there's an element of the reader goes. Well, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll, 
I'll, I'll take from that where I see it going next. And yeah, absolutely. And I think there's sometimes those sort of stories or that sort of approach can be dismissed or labeled as lazy. Um, but I never, I never obviously never wanted to, to have that, but I wanted to see how far I could push, like you said, the unreliable narrator, especially in the vagabond, which again is, an, is another love hate. I have a lot of people say it's one of their favorites. I've seen a lot of comments saying that they got confused and that it was a bit jarring. And, and I share both those sentiments. It can be like that, but yeah, the, the unreliable narrator and in the devil's mountain by siding with one character and seeing it from their perspective and then revealing later on, obviously the, the, revelations about you know he's gone through therapy and things may have been distorted and you never quite know but it's almost left up to you even though I have my own idea of, of how that tale went and developed um it's nice that people can bring their own sort of interpretations to it because that's something that I do like I do like that when I read my own or when I do my own reading I do necessarily I like to be challenged to to a degree I don't want to be spoon-fed every single detail and having that own um, sort of side to it, I think it's good. Well, absolutely. I mean, like, let's look at, you know, something from, you know, Chris Nolan from like switching it to film, Inception. I mean, there's so many different reads on that and it just, it demands and it challenges the audience. And and, and I love that when, I love that when that happens. Um, but, you know, you mentioned obviously, you know, getting some of that feedback and some thoughts, some people loving certain things, other bits jarring with like your early advanced readers and you getting this feedback. What's, um, what process do you then go through once you've heard that feedback to how it then shapes the end product? Um, it works differently for different stories. So with the the Vagabond, I think was the first thing I, I'd attempted that was, um, I would say, risky because I do play with the reader quite a bit in that one and I do jump around. And when I sent that one out to uh, initially, I think I'm pretty sure that was the first one I'd done. After, yeah, I think it was the first story I'd written after Ripper Country. I sent it out to five or six different people, but it was also the first thing I'd written that was set outside of the UK. So I needed like an American set of eyes on it. So they gave me some feedback on some dialogue and things like that, which was quite handy. But yeah, so I, so I've had, um, I think I had people say that, oh, they weren't too sure about a certain section and what that meant or how that led into the next. So I suppose because none of these stories in the early stages have gone for any sort of editing as such, other than my own sort of eyes, that was handy to, to use. And I feel like that's something that I've got better at through time is just being a little bit more clearer without being, you know, trying to people trying to teach people how to suck eggs when, when doing these stories. So yeah, I take on board pretty much everything that people come to me with it is sort of critical criticism or, or whether it's, you know, oh, this was good or, or whatever, we need more of that. But in all honesty, by the time I hand things over to people, it is kind of more or less a finished article, although I do have in the back of my mind a few things I'm not too sure about. And usually I'll attach some questions to the people I send it out to early doors saying, oh, did I spend too much time on this section or, or do you feel like not leading them into an answer as such, but just yeah, sure. things that I'm not personally mm -hmm. too sure about. And I think that that's I've had two really um good experiences with editors on on both River Country and Dark Lines, which was very helpful. Um so yeah, that's and it was very um important that feedback for the Devil's Man because it was the longest thing I'd attempted at the time that didn't have a structure or a framework in place like say for example the last story in Ripper Country where you had all the stuff leading up to that final long story. The Devil's Man obviously was a brand new tale as such. So it took me 
don't think it's the longest I've spent writing something, but it did take me quite a while to, I was going back and forth and, and trying different things all the time and seeing how it was landing. And my other half is quite good at pr- sort of proofreading mm. my stuff as well. So, yeah. and sh- again, she's just brutally honest with me sometimes and say, look, this needs to change. <laughs> like you're doing too much here and that. So that's good. And I, I know it myself a lot of the time, but yeah. <laughs> I think there's something about the the honesty of yeah our other halves, right? They they can just they they just call it because there's no bullshit, right? And yeah. and it's it's really you know strongest champion, biggest critic, you know. <laughs> and I think it's a, it's really important there. For me, I mean, there was a particular story, and again, I know I've shared it with you that broke my heart and was an absolute uh, incredible incredible piece of storytelling um and i didn't see it coming um uh but roxy 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 what a what a story man yeah i was so nervous about that one when i, when oh. I done it because because obviously i knew as i was writing it where this was going and what i was doing and i'd be very careful with you know the words i was using yeah, and yeah. where i was describing things um but when i so i didn't have i don't think i i don't can't remember if i handed that one out to anyone before it was part of the collection but anyone i did give it to i was like look just so you know that i do go somewhere a bit weird with this one let me know what you think and i was worried that it would be perceived as like oh what a you know what a cheap shot what what a gimmick or whatever but i think because it had a message in there as well and you mm. had the bit at the end with the policeman oh. having this discussion and you see you know Brilliant. what type of people they are I, I felt like no this 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 works as, and i don't know whether that thing's ever been attempted before i imagine it probably has mm. because obviously it, if you had that as say a film or whatever it wouldn't work um or at least the misdirection wouldn't work so yeah doing it in this way yeah. was again a bit of a risk um but one that's again people seem to be really um they seem to have responded quite well and in a good way really to 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 this sort of story, oh so. yeah absolutely and i mean i i finished it and then you know immediately messaged you it was like my god and then i went back <laughs> and and reread it to kind of just go wow just to go had i rushed it had i missed something had i but it but it's not it's the, it's, it's what you do man it's it's the brilliant misdirection so it works on that one level you read it and then there's those sucker punch twists that you know you you don't always have in your in, in your or your stories because you don't always need them but when they come um, and the it absolutely rug gets pulled out from under you it's such a it's such a moment <laughs> oh, no, I'm, glad, I'm glad you liked it because again with, with, with the the twist thing i was very i become quite um clear to me as i was producing these stories that like, hang on a lot of these have got not twists in them for twist sake or such but they are very much leading towards that rug being pulled out from beneath you and i don't want to do that too often or if i'm going to do it i want to maybe do it in different ways at different times so with roxy in the end of the line they both had this element of okay there's, there's a horror story being told there is suspense you think you're building towards something but underneath it there is a real much deeper more horrifying horror and that's what you should be left with it at the end so yeah that that's and again the end of the line i think was like that for some people as well that got picked up in an anthology and yeah. to have that sort of underlying message like oh in the end there is this real horror thing and then that always brings me back to um i am the doorway like that sort of mm. ending that, that mm. had and, and the jaunt as well which is for me I mean, probably the best short story i've ever read that sort of feel to it that's what i wanted to try and at least achieve in some of these stories but yeah roxy just come from nowhere i had no oh i really want to do a story 
where this is the sub you know this is where it goes i was just driving along yeah. and i thought oh <laughs> wouldn't it be absolutely abominable if i did something from this angle and, and then switched it around at the end so yeah and it, and it well, seemed to work yeah absolutely it, it's it's a it's an absolute powerhouse as i mean you know it, it's a wonderful wonderful collection of, of of stories and um haunting tales of horror as the cover said and i literally just read it you know in a frenzy um because there's something about i think that i know the short story and and the way you you tell the short stories is this this quite addictive you know because because you can power through them and you get one done and then you go oh what you know 10 minutes ago that that hadn't been in my life and now it's in my (laughs) life and i know it and it's just such a it's such a wonderful concept that but there's a couple of stories that deal very powerfully um and again feel very real with sleep and sleep paralysis and sleep disturbances Mm -hmm. um that i'm sure so many of us can can relate to um and just talk me through you know kind of how those stories came came to be yeah so again draw very much drawn from from personal experience and sleep paralysis is something i I suffered with in my late teens without really knowing what it was for for quite some time as as with anything i i actually just thought they were dreams initially and then it become as as it intensified i thought no this is actually like (laughs) this is actually happening and the whole remote control piece in in um the foot of the bed that is something that actually happened i had a it was it was sort of daytime and i woke up early morning i was trying to get the remote to to throw it to make some sort of noise because i was for a long time i was obsessed with i needed to i almost needed someone to see it happening to me just to confirm right. whether or not it was happening yeah. it was really weird and this was before obviously the internet was around but it wasn't like it is now where you could just grab your phone and on you go and you'll find this instantly I, I didn't know what it was so I did go to a neurologist and they confirmed mm. you know what what was going on and then through time they it just sort of dissipated and I still get it every now and again um, but nowhere near as intensely and as, as frequently as what I used to but but yeah for anyone who's ever had that it is is horrendous especially in the early the first few times when you've never had it you think yeah it's it's a surreal experience um but it's something that i hadn't really seen depicted in anything up until um i saw a very good depiction of it in oh why am i forgetting the name oh the haunting of hill house Mm, okay um Mm. and and they touched on it in that and i thought oh that's the first time i'd seen it in anything and i thought that was very very impressive so so yeah i I, the, the i think it was um the shadow of the dream which the, was the yeah. first one I wrote about it, even though it comes later in the collection. That was very much inspired by one of my favourite short stories by Charles Beaumont, which is called uh, Pensions to Dream or Purchase to Dream. And that's a line from Shakespeare. And The Shadow of a Dream is also a Shakespeare line, I think, from the same play. So I wanted to do a little nod to it there. But, yeah, nice. but that story is about someone, I think it become a Twilight Zone episode where <laughs> the guy goes to a... A psychiatrist with and problems and he doesn't want to go to sleep because he believes he's going to die in his sleep mm-hmm. and i've wanted to do something similar with this but i thought okay let's let's throw some light on on sleep paralysis and then also have a, a bit of fun with the um but not too much with the the whole gender misconception of doctors and bring that oh, in which uh, which are yeah. uh, you bugger i felt completely <laughs> it's completely... the classic it's the classic riddle though isn't it i remember oh. from school and he's like oh yeah like a bit i thought now what if i use that in the story but don't make it like 
yeah. the, the subject of the story as such. But yeah, but, I wanted to do that. Brilliant, brilliant, Jack. Because again, I you know I fell completely hook, line, and sinker into it. And then at that moment, just like hand on head, going, "Oh God, I'm not still doing that, am I?" Because it just shows those, yeah, absolutely, those tropes, those misconceptions, and uh, it was very, it's very, very beautifully pitched that. Um, but, <laughs> but again, that's it. the power of the storytelling, right? It's working because you know you're you're not thinking about that. You're no, not, yeah, it, you're, yeah you're exactly, away. exactly, man. So that that is the thing. That's the thing with with this collection in particular. But as 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 you said, you know, there's also um, you know, be a man. Uh, I mean, that that's an incredibly uh, powerful capture of of fear and a very very grounded fear against a very human enemy and. Uh, uh, very very tender story amongst the violence that one yeah that, again that was one along with um sadie's snake like, i wasn't mm. too and killing time as well i wasn't too sure about those three being involved they were more like mm. i don't want to use the term filler but they were shorter stories that i wanted that were just based around this a simple concept yeah. uh cells as well to a degree um like, i thought okay let's put in these little more, I don't know if there's a term from like micro stories that are centered around one character doing one thing. And in the end, there's either a little twist or a shift in perspective or mm-hmm. perspective. And then you, you get that feeling. So yeah, again, I, with that one, I, I think I wrote all three of those or four of those were written in, in a day. Like I did that in a day and, wow. and moved on to the next. And then we just sort of cycled those four, for a week I spent on them just like rewriting, doing bits and pieces like that. And um, yeah, they, they, again, they were fun to do because they were something very different. I'd, I'd never attempted anything as short as those stories, but I had four separate ideas that I wanted to do. And then it finished with Portstown Ridge, which I thought, okay, if I can write something very almost like in a, in an eloquent poetic style, but then have this rug review <laughs> under, at the oh. end, those other four stories that I wrote enabled me to be able to put that one at the end and, I think it's a good finish or a good story to end on. But no, those it's, other ones I weren't yeah. too sure about. But yeah, I'm glad you like doing that. Yeah, it's a hugely powerful end. I mean, you know, kind of as, as that recency effect kicks in, you know, that last thing we hear, that last thing we feel, uh, Portsdown Ridge. Uh, again, you know, I, I, I didn't have any idea of where it was going. And I think that I think you what you pull off so well, man, is I never as a reader felt manipulated okay and what i mean by that is i never felt like i never was made to feel stupid because i didn't get the twist or i didn't get that and i think that is such a powerful not trick because it's such a powerful skill to pull off man you know i know i appreciate that because it was i'll be honest i've numerous times when i've i've been putting these stories together and i'll speak to my wife like Mm. i say that i feel like i am manipulating the reader because i in, in not in a bad way but i have mm, to get mm. them into the on i think oh essentially that's that's what any writer is doing to yeah, you have to right. suspend belief and you have to invest yourself yeah, in, in these yeah. stories and these characters but yeah that is is something that this is the whole misdirection thing and i think i found that early doors with things like funny little games and, and things yeah. like that i was like okay yes. this is something that i'm not going to you know, stand on my own shoulders and say, oh, I'm good at doing this, but it's something I feel comfortable in doing, I think, because I like that being done to me. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I was like, especially with Bradbury stuff, like and Matheson as well, like, I like that 
side of a story so so yeah i'm glad that, that that's that's your experience of it and yeah again it's still amazing to see people picking this collection up and even people have been a little bit more um i think dark lines has reached a wider audience as well mm. at this stage compared to ripper country so it has um it has been opened up to a bit more criticism and the reviews have been not as favorable as ripper country but again that's fine because i i get to see okay what sort of stories did people like what ones didn't land too well is there a pattern um not that it's going to stop me from doing any of these things but it's interesting to see what sort of stuff is is sort of being lapped up so to speak or what what sort of stuff people are, are enjoying because the next one that i'm working on nearly finished is not so it is similar to dark lines in some respects but there are fewer stories and the ones that are in there are, are i have a central theme as such that i'm working around but they're not very horror based they're all character studies they're all dark <laughs> really they're very much of the of the roxy sort of cut really so so yeah it's definitely been um i feel like i learned more writing dark lines or the stories in dark lines than i did from from ripper country because it in the end felt like one big piece whereas this was just a book of of experiments and, and that's why i want i was insistent that it have the old mass make uh, mass market paperback feel like the the short big text and things like that i was like that would be a cool sort of way to package the book and send send it out and i think it's gone down quite well yeah absolutely well with that i mean there's so much i want to jump into because again you know with ripper country you know debut author you there's almost i guess some kind of freedom whereas here you know it's reaching a wider audience you're getting reviews I'm sure some really measured and well thought out, some maybe less so. You've kind of alluded to it, you know, the openness of, of your mind and reaction to it. But how do you deal with the good, the bad and the ugly of the fact that you created something and it's out there, right? Your baby, yeah. some said you've got to let it go. And then it's open to everybody's thoughts and interpretations and reactions. What's that like? It's, it's weird because in the beginning, it was obviously a real novelty. So any review that would come through on anywhere i would i would see it and i'd re, you know read it and in the beginning everything was very, was very favorable and it, and it obviously gave me a big confidence boost and i thought this is this is great um but through time i've i have stopped myself from looking at them if i'm, if I'm being honest um or not as frequently just because i have to just not like I would ever be like oh that that you know that person's wrong not not at all everyone is entitled to you know their opinion on the book than have a divine right for people to love every single story for example in dark lines it's not going to work that way um but i guess if from for me it's just a i guess it's an honor just just for people to pick this up read it and if they didn't like it but they still considered it i don't think i've ever been had any sort of um attacks around say for example my writing maybe yeah. on occasion i think mm -hmm. there, there might have been some people alluded to a bit wordy or, or things like that but at the end of the, these are just people's tastes it's it's not you know it's yeah objectively these books aren't perfect absolutely not they're early author books they're independently published i'm you know not gonna tie myself up thinking that oh people were picking up these books expecting Stephen King finished articles absolutely mm -hmm. not but mm -hmm. no on the whole I, I think it through time it's become less of a of a of a novelty of course but it, it's less surreal now seeing the reviews come through and, and I think because they have everything I'm fortunate enough that I've done it seems to have got some sort of a reaction um is is great to see and, and even just a random someone just randomly shares something that they read off. I was, someone sent me a TikTok thing the other day. I'm, I'm not really on TikTok, but someone had done like a short story recommendation of driving in the dark. And that was amazing to see because 
that person has there's no idea who I am. They've just gone and found the book on Amazon or whatever. And and that to me is 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 amazing. That's why I guess I really wanted to 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 actually send these things out as opposed to just write them just to see if people could objectively pick them up and treat them as a normal book. And that to me is, is incredible considering so I haven't been doing this for two years yet. So yeah, very surreal. Hard to describe really as you can probably tell. It is, it is a weird thing. If the books hadn't reached so many people, then I don't know whether I would have got these reactions to it because it had just gone to, I don't know, people who have me on Instagram or close friends and family, whatever, and then it would have just stopped. But fortunately, the, the reviews and the, and the ratings, et cetera, keep, keep coming through. So it's, yeah, it's, it's great to see. And, and the publisher's been great with that, to be honest. They've pumped both books out um, in a really sort of efficient and a clever way. So it seems to have reached you know, thousands of people, which is, which is crazy to me. So yeah, it's been, it's been great. Well, also, I mean, it's such a tactile, you know, when I pick up dark lines, river countries, but dark lines in particular, there's something incredibly pleasing about, as you said, the fonts, the, the size of the mass market paperback, it feels absolutely uh, beautiful within the hands. So again, was that your idea right from the beginning that this is how we're going to market this book? Yeah. So I wanted like an old sort of um, dust bean sort of ripped cover and, and they, they come up with that with the, with the font and all that sort of stuff, which was great. But yeah, I wanted that old mass market sort of size into it. I, I wanted the font, I'll be honest, I, I could have done with the font maybe being a bit smaller because I think the book appears to be quite sort of deceptively chunky because um, I think it's only about, if you would had a regular size font, I think the book would have come in at about 250 pages, but I think it's nearly double that in the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that it, I did, it was intentional. I did, I did want it to, to look completely different from River Country and look like one of those old sort of sphere paperbacks you used to see the old sort of Ray Bradbury ones. And and yeah, that was that was very much a, a driving force behind it. I, I wanted it to look yeah. like that, or look the part at least to an old school one. And well, it certainly again, does, just Matt, it certainly looks the part. And the beautiful original illustrations by Nicola Spencer. So what what drew you to, to Nicola and talk to me about um that that collaboration? Yeah, she'd done the back cover for um for Ripper Country, although you can only sort of uh, kind yeah, yeah. of see it. Yeah, it is her artwork that she she used for that. So I, I just again I just knew her through a friend of a friend on on Instagram, and I really liked her stuff. And I thought I like her style is a bit um almost a bit surreal, like the the way she she sort of puts things together. And and she'd done a little um comic strip of, of a I forget the name of it. It escapes me at the moment. Um, but I picked that up years ago on Etsy and the art and it was fantastic and, and it was like very sort of blurry sort of deep lines misty sort of effect to it i'm sure it's got a name <laughs> and i was like that's that's great so i just made a note of it a mental note and obviously never thinking like I'd, i would do you know the short stories but as soon as i started putting these together i thought oh, you know it would be great and i reached out and yeah she's she was really um she was really keen to do it and yeah i i, I must admit to illustrations in river country are brilliant but these ones for some reason to me felt more bespoke to the stories mm, um mm -hmm. and not every i don't think every story had one but the majority of them did and they were absolutely brilliant so yeah it was um yeah it was a great collaboration to say look goes with another illustrator for something it was really good and talking about <clears throat> moments of you know humor within it uh, one of my favorite bits um which happens in uh <clears throat> after eight he checked his notifications, nothing. Nothing but a news bulletin about COVID, which he swatted away in disgust. He'd hoped for a headline about the dawn of the zombie apocalypse, or at the very least, the death of James Corden. 
I get more <laughs> messages. I get more that. messages about the James Corden vendetta than, than anything. Honestly, I'm, I'm I'm bet, I some people because well, I think isn't it yeah. Devil's Mountain? It comes up again. It comes up again. Yeah, there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, recently, obviously, you know, the USA played England during the World Cup, and I think the prize was like whoever loses, yeah, you know, you got to keep James <laughs> Corden. Yeah, I think it might become like my thing. Like I just. Put a little <laughs> bit of hate in every other story towards him, but yeah. <laughs> um, again, it wasn't something I set out to do. I just, I just did it in that one story, and I was like, yeah. That's quite, and people seem to, yeah. I got loads of messages about it. Oh, That's really funny. And I was like, yeah, I can't stand the guy, so I'm going to use that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I don't think you're alone there, my friend. I really don't. Um, but yeah, just again, just just brilliant moments that just you know, it, it feels like it's really expansive. In in, in you know, the, I don't know. There's a kind of almost beautiful recklessness with this collection of tales. It's like right, I'm going to go here. I'm going to tell you know, t- talk about supernatural here. I'm going to make it much more human. Here, there's going to be yeah. humour. Here's going to be dark psychology. It feels like you're just having a, a lot of fun with it. Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, mate. Yeah, and and that was always the the idea. I went from one to the next. Like, what if I tried this? What if I did that? You know, what if I tried something that was a bit more tongue in cheek? And and at the time, I was initially in a similar sort of way, I guess, to to River Country. I did I didn't start out with okay, I'm going to write a collection of short stories. It was more like I went from one to the next. Um, I think the first few I wrote, I submitted them into to try and get into anthologies or competitions, and, and I had quite a bit of success early doors with that. And then before I knew it, a collection naturally just started to, to form. Really, I had enough stories behind me to say, okay, I'm going to be able to do a collection here. And if I just give it one encompassing title and then just do random what ifs and different, like I said, subgenres, it could work. Um, and and it, yeah, it did. It got picked up before I'd finished it, and I just kept going. And I think even when we were going through editing, the uh, the foot of the bed, the second story, that that come right at the death. That wasn't even going to be in there initially. It was only when we had all but wrapped editing. I had this. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how that idea come to me. It just it just did off the sleep paralysis thing. I thought now I can I can bring something else in here and and bring it in the beginning and had a different sort of twist to it that one so so yeah the collection again is one of those things it naturally sort of just happened I didn't set out to do it um but yeah it it was very much an experiment in in what ifs really and and playing about with stars and yeah like you said <laughs> recklessness to it which is 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 good and I think that probably lends itself to why it, it it has picked up a few mixed reviews because you know I don't expect everyone to like every single book in uh, every single story in a book I don't like every single story in a book but I think there's enough in there for the majority of horror fans or, or readers to come away at least half satisfied so oh uh, for, for sure and then some man and then some and you know you mentioned you did Ripper Ripper Country wrote it in that, those nine weeks and you know in our discussion earlier we got a sense of which stories came out first mm. with this similar to say you know your set list how, how did you work out the orders of, uh, of which story was going to you know open the batting middle close did you play about with different set lists almost for it yeah oh absolutely um i mean there wasn't a a method as such it was more or less with these ones what kind of felt right and i I wanted to almost break up or intersperse the the smaller ones in between the longer ones so to speak and i wanted to have it so that the, the bigger story would almost be in the middle and because that one didn't have necessarily as much twist and misdirection as the other ones then it would set you up going into the other stories not necessarily looking for the for the twist that sort of thing so so yeah i did mess around with a few things i always wanted to open with react because i just from the responses i got from from people when i sent that out on its own seemed quite positive so i thought that that would be a good place to open um and then i wanted to finish with port stanbridge just because it has that sort of 
somber lingering sort of effect to it i thought that would be a good place to yeah. close so but yeah for a while i was driving in the dark and i did mess around with a, a few things um but now on the whole that my method was almost you know one long one one short one long one long short one that sort yeah. of thing so you know there wasn't it wasn't not as much sort of thought went into it as river country for obvious reasons but mm. but yeah i think it is important to get the the running list sort of um for example, if I'd open with Roxy, I think I might, a few people might have got a bit, <laughs> <laughs> a bit too disturbed, a bit put off. So, so yeah, 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 yeah. But as you say, there's that thought that has to go into it, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. With 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 the order in which things happen, uh, that's one of the, the main reasons as well. Sorry, that, that, that silent treatment, say for example, come yeah. after Roxy because although yeah, yeah. it has some very serious subject matters in there, it is still very tongue-in-cheek it is very yeah. um there are bits of humor in there so i thought oh that'd be good to put arthur roxy to give people a bit of a break like yeah. intensity or whatever and then we go into devil's mountain and then after that a very short story in, in cells and then we have sort of wind down after that so so yeah i did play around with with things but in all honesty now it wasn't it, there wasn't a method as such to it yeah yeah and was it kind of freeing being able to you know we've seen with ripper country obviously the amount of detail the amount of research to make sure that you got those specific right um and obviously you know you're dealing with a lot of characters and individuals that existed there's so you know so much interest and appetite for that period of time mm. was there a kind of freedom being able to write unshackled to having to write a historical uh fiction for this one yeah definitely definitely i mean again it, it was obviously my first experience of, of, of doing this yeah. so yeah. it was yeah that those first um the first one I jumped into the Vagabonds once that was because I wrote that for a, um, a vampire anthology again I just thought oh, I can write something oh, okay, for that yeah. I got an idea yeah. and then once that one was done uh React was was weird that one just come to me like I can't I don't even know where that come from but it it just come and then after that yeah they just they just sort of kept coming like that and yeah it was nice jumping about and especially when I had written enough of those stories that I realized okay let's try and do something a bit more personable something that I can maybe put my own personality into a little bit and that's when driving in the dark come there was mountain shadow of a dream and yeah mm, i just mm. found ways of, of almost putting bits of me really into these stories yeah. or opinions and, and some of them are set uh not directly but i had because I, I grew up in portsmouth it's, we were seaside towns there's lots of sort of vivid places in portsmouth and old sort of um rundown areas and, and things like that brutus architecture and those things have sort of come through in the stories as well and helped with some of the settings so yeah it was nice to be able to sort of outpour this this stuff onto onto the page that come from years of ideas that maybe like were there but i didn't know they were there and, and yeah, all these right. things so so yeah no it was it was um it was a as i said i had a lot of fun doing, doing dark lines and, and again timeline wise i don't think so i started i think about september i want to say with, with dark lines and i didn't stop until february time but it was very on and off and yeah i think some of these i was writing at the same time sort of thing and i was jumping around and if i got stuck on one i'd go to the other and yeah it was very um it's very erratic really but it seemed to work really in the end so yeah, yeah. whereas for ripper it was much more as you said you wrote those in silo yeah i had to be disciplined with that because yeah. i would have just yeah. lost myself but with these i could afford to to move around a little bit yeah. more so yeah. and i found that with what, what i've been working on recently as well i've i've jumped around a little bit more in writing them so and does seems that to be a style of work. yeah does that kind of help if say you're you're a little i don't know stuck or all that pace has just let off for a moment on one story by jumping into another does that almost kind of give you a bit of space and clarity to then 
go back to that first one. Yeah, yeah, without yeah. doubt. It seems to yeah. work for me. I mean, I, I've been working on, um, say, a story I've just finished, which is just under 20,000 words. I think it's about 80 pages. And, and wow. with this, I've gone from section to section. So I actually wrote the final section last. And I, I think I spoke to you just about before actually where I jump around within the story itself and just work on different sections and then work on blending and bleeding them together um and just sometimes seeing what happens and especially with this one I, I had my beginning I had my end but I had no idea what was going to happen in the middle and it just <laughs> sort of it just sort of come and it sort of happened and going yeah. over it again and again and again my other half's been great with this one because I've given it to her and said look I don't know whether I'm spending too much time focusing on this I don't know whether this is needed like does this hurt this is this inconsistent so you develop all these questions as you're writing it and I think that's what if I ever do do a novel or a novella that is something I'll have in mind because I do have in a, a tendency to get a bit not impatient but I will I will jump around it seems to help me move forward really if I go back sometimes with stuff so yeah it's um yeah. it definitely seems to work for, for me but but yeah having two or three on the go at one time is is brilliant and I have found sometimes the best stories come from from nothing like absolutely nothing you just you have a little idea and yeah. there's one i'm really excited to share from the from the new book look would just come from a submission like i was going to work on and i decided not to and i had an idea from that and i thought oh, i can mm. use that mm. that's not the sort of thing i would write but let's try it and it ended up just becoming something completely different and it was great fun to do so yeah you never know when these things are gonna are gonna get you and tell us what you can about the new the new collection that, that's coming out Cool. Yeah. So it's called Warning Signs. Um, I'm going to look to self-publish it. Um, I could probably try and get get someone to take off me, but I'm very eager to see what would happen if I tried to just do everything myself really with this yeah. one and see mm-hmm. um, how it goes. I'm going to get it edited and, and cleaned up. I've already got the cover ready to go and stuff. So it's just the final pieces now. But yeah, it's going to be um, 10 stories. It may be nine in the end, but it'll be nine or 10 stories that uh similar to dark lines they're not linked they are just individual short stories mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they're most of them are, are quite l- longer than what are in dark lines and they are character studies and it's going to be i'm going to market it as, as dark fiction essentially um so yeah few horror elements in there but on the yeah. whole it'll be just another collection of short stories but with some some darker themes if that's possible <laughs> yeah. dark lines but, <laughs> darker but yeah. than roxy my god <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think i just had to again with this one you'll, you'll find that i'm not as um i don't use as much misdirection in this new collection these are very much okay what if i could tell a front to back story yeah. focusing on the characters and developing things and bringing in ideas and again yeah i'm very excited to, to get it wrapped up because I, i've taken my time with this one and i've had a yeah. lot of um time on my hands but also a lot going on so I've spread it out I haven't been as erratic mm-hmm. really with the the collection itself although you know once embedded in some of these stories I've jumped about but but now I've been working on this since around about the time of dark lines because I think there was a couple of the stories that I was originally going to try and wed into dark lines but then I decided no like yeah they're they're a bit different they're a bit um more I don't want to say sophisticated but they're they're a bit more um grounded i think than what some stuff that's in dark line so let's use it for another collection um, but i think i'm going to look to use react in, in in this collection so that will appear as well just because it ties in quite well to the some of the bigger themes so yeah that'll be in there but on the whole it'll be um at least eight brand new stories so oh, hopefully wow. hopefully it'll be out this year but i'm um, yeah. at the moment i'm still going through the final motions i don't want to rush it so but yeah i'll keep everyone posted on it oh awesome and what's the mechanics of you know self-publishing um you know uh, top level what what you know what, what does that in, entail for you 
Um, well, phys- physical books, I'm not too sure because mm. I haven't got that far yet because I've only done so self-published React and Driving in the Dark just for Amazon, KDP, Kindle Publishing, and, and yeah. they both went out there as ebooks. So it's very easy to do, to be honest. Um, you have to obviously upload manuscripts and, and get, have your cover and all that sort of stuff, but you can more or less do it quite quickly. The Amazon service is quite handy, and obviously you get the massive reach, which is handy. Um, yeah, yeah. So And they, they take a certain portion of uh, whatever you make off of your off of your taking so you don't actually have to p- make any down payments with printing costs or anything like that which is obviously quite handy for, for these sorts of things but mm-hmm. i may not in, in the end i may not go through amazon for this i am looking at other options of maybe getting yeah. this purely done myself but with amazon obviously you get the like i said you get the reach you get the you distribution get the reach, you? Yeah. exactly yeah. people can you know buy ebook or paperback so and mm-hmm. I, I did a little survey the other day on instagram just to see what most people would like to go for and most people went for the paperback so that told me that yeah i'll yeah. probably do well to make it available on amazon but but we'll see but it's going to be shorter than dark lines um mm. and i'm going to do my best to make it as cheap as possible as well to be honest so yeah. we'll see but yeah um fingers crossed this year but if not it will be early next year and yeah. then we'll see how that one goes and what about for you jack as a when you're reading are you do, do you tend to go between um paperback or hardback uh ebooks what's your what's your kind of preference i don't think i've ever read an ebook right yeah. back to front honestly um maybe a short story here and there but i can't because my partner's got a kindle and obviously it's weird because i do all my writing like on my, on my phone but no actually yeah. reading ebooks i already do it i'm always going for a paperback, paperback um, yeah. but yeah again i haven't read as since i've been started the, the writing back middle of last year i haven't read as much as what i was prior yeah um but i have been getting back into it a bit more this year i've read some different authors different different sort of old pulp horror stories um trying some some different stuff to be honest because i was so hooked on king for so long still am obviously but I've, yeah. I've i've got a few on the back burner that i'm looking to to try next year that i've just been almost saving up so yeah but i've wanted to try different authors and i think that's helped me as well as a writer to be honest is just getting different styles and just trying to absorb as as, as much as i can and making my own at the same time yeah. so and with so, that yeah. jackie are you able to you know lose yourself in the story or are you always kind of looking at the mechanics of the writing and the and the craft uh, <laughs> what's, what's it like uh yeah i mean sometimes i'll see something i'm like oh that's amazing like how they've done that and and yeah. not just from a an immersive you know perspective as a reader but also from the technical element you think that's incredible but no on the whole you know the writing is that good usually that i'm able to sort of drift into it quite quite easily i've read a lot of ramsey campbell in recent um sort of times because technically he's considered to be one of the better sort of horror writers that we've produced over here Mm. compared to say james herbert who is still incredible but people technically consider Ramsey Campbell as the sort of superior yeah. craftsman if you will and, and it's been interesting reading some of his stuff because I haven't necessarily got on with all of the stories but the writing is is incredible so that's been a, a good sort of learning curve so and what would you recommend for for people kind of looking you know for a Ramsey Campbell book if they're not aware of his stuff what's a good entry point the it was short stories again i'm always going to say that but he's, yeah. he's got a book of short stories called dark feasts i want to call it that that's mm. amazing there's got loads of stuff in there but novel wise um there's a book called a great title the doll who ate his mother um <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's not as crazy as it sounds actually in the end but i i did enjoy that one and there's another one called the facelet must die that again brilliant that had a very almost like a jack the ripper to a serial killer field so both of those have been really good and i'm 
working my way through them. I've just come off one called Obsession, which I didn't really get on too well with, and I've got a couple more yeah. lined up. But but yeah, I, I've read a few gems this year, to be honest, like from, from authors that I um, hadn't either previously heard of or, or I'd been recommended, or I, I usually nine times out of ten I end up on the um, on like the YouTube vortex looking at like obscure horror book <laughs> recommendations yeah, yeah. and about one of the, the best ones i've read this year um is a book called maynard's house i don't know if you've heard of it i think no. king's a fan i think I, I don't know if that's how i um how i found out about it but i saw it on some obscure thing and it's just a oh, it's not like a haunted house story but it, it's it's definitely one worth checking out without giving too much away it's got very much my sort of um twist to it so shall we say I, I, that's one of the better books i've read this year and i've been working through some of the um the paperbacks from hell like reissues yeah yeah they've been great um absolutely fantastic and and things like the nest and when darkness loves us that two great books and i'm trying to get into some guy and smith as well but okay yeah I'm not yeah. doing too well with that stuff because it is very uh raw but yeah um i've been reading all sorts all sorts of things really over the last year but not as much as I, I would have liked, but I think that's that's changing. I'm reading a really good book at the moment, actually, called um, The Keep by F. Paul Wilson. I don't know if right. you've okay, heard no, of that. I'm not aware of it. Oh, it's, it's going really good. And apparently there's, there's some obscure film they made of it in the 80s, which is meant to be awful. Um, but I'm, I might try and seek that out. But yeah, the book itself has, has been brilliant so far. So hoping to finish that soon. Oh, brilliant. Well, I mean, I, I grew up as well as reading King, you know, reading Herbert, you know, and I know yeah. I love seeing that you're a fan of James Herbert as well. Um, because yeah, I often thought often overshadowed and, you know, going back and reading some of the books in, in later life. Yeah. You know, sometimes there, there might be some element of some of the writing or the, I mean, but he was writing in a particular time. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, a lot of misogyny and things like that. In his book. But the thing is he went, yeah. he went on a hell of a run, like of books that he was producing. Like people always go to the rats, um, which rightly so is amazing, but Lair. Oh, is better like Mars better well um, yeah yeah and domain when you throw in the nuclear war coupled with the rats i remember just going oh my god just it kept raising the bar yeah he got so much better as he, as he went on and, and the dark has never really spoke about it. i don't know if you've read that one that's oh yeah the dark one, well it? again what what attracted me to um to herbert when I was a kid growing up reading with the covers. And again, we oh, spoke about course, the yeah. we spoke about the tactility of your books and how, you know, that and and hearing that, you know, you're a paperback um lover yourself, that, that makes total sense. But I remember like getting a cover of Moon and the dark and the fog and the covers just were so scary. And I remember Herbert had a way of putting a, a chill down my spine that at that stage, King didn't as much. I think yeah. maybe King, the richness of the characters, you know, I noticed that. But for sheer scare factor, I mean, a book like Moon, I remember, terrified me in the dark. Um, <laughs> and then you've also got those books that Herbert wrote that really were left field. I remember the first time I read Fluke and the Jonah. Yeah, the dog one, yeah. I was just like, oh, oh, wow. Oh, oh, it's so he's doing this as well. Of course he is. Because so I think there's a real like you said a product of the time to a degree because there's lots of stuff associated with that but if you take some of that um, through a filter almost there's such power he's a wonderful writer i think oh absolutely yeah there, there are still a couple again like with king i've left on the back burner i haven't read the Jonah. i've got like three or four copies mm. of it um but yeah i've still left a few of his, his sort of line there the magic cottage is another one as well oh, which yeah. is really yeah. decent and i think that was towards the end yeah. and i've been recommended by um a friend 48 
which oh, is meant to be really good as well. I have, Jack. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, you know, studies of you know on the run from the Nazis, and you know, but some other elements going on there. It's it's a real classic that one. Um, yeah, that I think Spear as well is another one. Yes, um, I think he had yeah. a thing about like Nazis. I don't know, but he would. Yeah. <laughs> it seems yeah, to come out a yeah. lot of his stuff. But but no, I, I agree with you. It's funny you should say about the chill thing with with King compared to her because I I remember the first two of the first books I ever read horror orientated that were more for like an adult audience were Carrie, um, which loved, but it didn't scare me, but I loved it. And mm. the rats, which was, I couldn't, <laughs> I had to put it down. I couldn't read it. I didn't finish it. Cause it was that third chapter with the baby and the, yeah. it just done me. I was like, nah, this is too much. And then I come back to it years later. And then I, I think I've read it three or four times. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, it's just so wild and and so simple but so yeah it was brilliant, brilliant. absolutely classic i haven't tried the films i know like because the, the films are meant to be god awful oh, um, but i'm surprised yeah. more of his stuff hasn't been adapted i know they tried uh shrine and they called it i can't remember what they called it unholy or something and it was awful <laughs> but yeah it's yeah he is um definitely yeah. and, and again looking at for some of the stuff in, in ripper country is definitely inspired by the rats that sort of raw violence and what well, yeah absolutely and as you say that you do a little kind of nod to him and um yeah i just uh yeah i i think a writer definitely definitely worth worth exploring but yeah difficult adaptations but then i yeah i find the same with king with the exception of you know a handful of uh, of king films and obviously i think he lends himself much better to the longer term you know mini series but it still will never ever touch the book for me um that's just my preference you know um yeah absolutely there are a couple that i almost look at side by side but sometimes i think it depends on what you saw first or, or what you yes. fell in love with yeah first i, I had the same thing with um Rita Hayworth and Shawshank redemption i almost look at them as two different mm. pieces because yeah. I, I know yeah. obviously one's a lot more in depth than the other mm. um in, in a way but yeah it's you can say that about the body as well to be honest i think although king has said that he, that he considers stand by me to be better isn't he also i can't quite yeah which i i actually that's that's one of the exceptions to the rule because i i agree i think stand by me is better when i i reread the body recently due to for some pod for some of the podcasts you're doing and yeah it felt really in dis ill-disciplined and all over the shop uh whereas the film has you know i mean you've got that you've got anything that darabont does i think he really nails king oh absolutely um, yeah. yeah it nails it beautifully and it, and it part one I, I i think in particular works well but um yeah there's something again about the life of these characters and being able to be inside the heads of people that just lends itself to the format and it's mm -hmm. even the greatest filmmaker in the world it's the format um and there's an intimacy and between and a connection between the reader and the writer that i don't think any format can can duplicate that and obviously king prolific short story writer and lover you know and and obviously hodder recently brought out all of the short stories and on the back of honestly man you know reading your stuff you know and the short stories is really my love of short stories is really heightened at the moment um and i'm delving into some king stuff where, what short stories or short story collections for you of King's uh, chime? Well, Skeleton um, Crew, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, just for variation. And I think that's where the jaunt lives, isn't it? Is in, yeah. in Skeleton uh, Crew. So I was 
gotta call it Skellington for some reason because of that film every time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. even though I've read it like so many yeah, times yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah that but again I, I would honestly say straight up Night Shift um, yeah. I love early King stuff but more so than the more recent but yeah again in there you can you can see him experimenting in, in, in Night Shift. I think a lot of the stories were from his pre-carry days, weren't they, in there? So, yeah, that that, that for me, that both those collections together are, are just superb. And there, there are some of the more recent ones I haven't actually got to yet. I still haven't read Everything's Eventual, um, which I've been told I absolutely should. Yeah, that's so funny, Jack. I'm, re- I'm reading that at the moment. Oh, really? Um, just rereading it for the, the podcast I do with Jamie, you know, going through the ages of, of King's writing and, yeah, d- delving into that, and there's uh, uh yeah, some really powerful stories. Him having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, good. No, then what's the other one? Bizarre Bad Dreams. I, I haven't uh, done yeah. that one yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, short stories is is a strange thing that you either love them or you hate them. But I think if you love them, you just get addicted almost. And I find myself reading. I think I've read a short story a week at least for however many consecutive months now i don't know but yeah. but yeah you can go back through some of the old edgar Allan poe ones as well absolutely brilliant but and he again bringing that into night shift with the jerusalem's lot like he, king would have read them so yeah no those two for me no, i've had a few people message me actually just saying oh they're not really usually into short stories but these are entertaining and i've said oh you, you know these are the sort of authors or the sort of stories i enjoy and looked at always say ray bradbury again even though he's not for everyone and mm-hmm. it's a lot of sci-fi which i'm not adverse to but it's not mm-hmm. it's not my favorite genre but he was very good at doing everything so mm-hmm. same with richard matheson so and when we king to a degree so mm-hmm. so yeah those those authors definitely touch those or hit those marks but but yeah no i'm glad you um you're in the short story zone. Oh, very much. So. And it's, as you said, I mean, you touched on something there that, you know, someone I'm a big fan of, Zane Lowe, you know, I heard him interviewing someone. He talked about, you know, the, when you listen to an album these days, in particular, say, you know, if you're not just skipping tracks, but you're making, you're listening to an album, it's an act of love, right? Because the person that's created it, it's an act of love. It's out there in the world. But as the receiver of it, you're making that time, you're making that effort, that commitment. And I, I very much I feel that, especially with reading as a whole, but reading a short story, it is, you know, there's this act of love that goes on there because there's that commitment that takes place. And um, and, and I love that idea of that's that connection between, you know, the, the, the author and the readers, you know, it exists in that space. I think the connection between the artist and, and the audience. Right. Yeah, without doubt. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Especially with, with books. Um because you like I said you've got to put that time into it and yeah, yeah it doesn't land with everyone but you know I think even if one person can <laughs> can get out of it what you put in in a way it yeah. becomes worth, worthwhile so so yeah that's a good point yeah absolutely and we've seen you know the absolute escapism and and you know the the life-saving power of the portable magic that you know really came to light I think you know taking us full circle back to the pandemic and back mm-hmm. to lockdown you know where actually it was that's what people really found that comfort in um you know it, it was just it was needed it wasn't just a nice to have it was it was absolutely necessary um you know really really powerful thing to do so for you jack i mean for you know any yeah i'm sure there's gonna be so many people out there that are authors that are aspiring authors that for those of us that think we've got a book in us but haven't yet felt maybe the courage to um you know put it down on the page um you know you're 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 such a humble dude so you know and i'm gonna probably embarrass you by asking this question but a couple of things are i mean 
is there anything you wish you'd known before you started writing? And is there any kind of words of, uh, I wouldn't say advice, but comfort or encouragement that you would give to those people, uh, you know, starting on that journey? Um, I, I guess in a way it's, it sounds easy to, pretty obvious to say, but the more you do it, the better you'll get, or the more, the more comfortable yeah. you'll, you'll become in, in, in writing. Um, I, in the beginning, never thought I, I would, I'll, I'll end up writing however many short stories in the space of X amount of years, but it was just through almost taking it one, one paragraph at a time, really yeah. almost, and things just become sort of started to develop. Like I said, I think it helped that I'd read loads, um, but also while reading or while writing, rather, I wasn't really reading because I didn't want to get sort of distracted or, or bogged down with the finished articles when I'm trying to produce something that's all brand new from a brain. I don't even know if I can do it. So mm. just practice, practice, practice and start short. Like I said, I, I, in the beginning, I didn't intend to, to do these collections. It was only that one story that I was obsessed with getting right. And I sent it out to write people and I asked for honest feedback. And I think that helps in the beginning as well, because those first two, I did get some sort of not brutally honest feedback, but I did get mm. some, okay, like, this sort of phrasing isn't going to work. You need to look at it, do it this way. Like uh, things like Oxford commas and things like that. I wasn't used in the beginning, but you, just through use of it. And yeah. even my partner has said like with, with regards to stuff like dialogue, I think that, that stuff sometimes comes naturally, but the the structure is something mm. that is now when I'm right, it comes almost a lot easier than what it used to. Mm. But, mm. but yeah, just, I guess just, I, I would, always say the short story format i think suits new writers or, or budding writers better than doing a novel if you can do a novel amazing if you've got that one big idea but I, i've often thought when doing some of these stories that if i ever do attempt something longer it may come from one of these short stories and i may look to expand the idea or the characters and just make it into yeah, a, a larger nice. story funnily enough one one of the earliest ideas i had is this story that i've just finished and i I did toy with the idea of making it into something much, much longer, even than what it's ended up being. And when I started to write it for this collection, I thought, okay, I think it could end up being around 7,000 words, which is about the same length as driving in the dark. But as it developed and I spent more time of it, it just grew and grew and grew. And in the end, yeah, 20, 20 K and it could have been a lot longer and it may one day end up, I may do it as a separate release or whatever, but, and the devil's man, it was like that as well. So, Again, I guess all the usual things with anything practice makes not perfect necessarily, but you just got to keep going with it and get start small and just don't get bogged down by what other people are doing and just focus on your own thing and, and try and get some honest feedback. And then if you feel comfortable enough, I, I've never put anything out yet. Like I didn't feel that at least some people could derive some enjoyment mm. from, do you know what I mean? I, I mm. got the right amount of proofreaders in early doors to, to almost give me the thumbs up and say I pitched it to people and then and, and got good responses. So, so yeah, it's, it's difficult really, because I am still very, very much in the early days of doing this, but the short story format has helped me. Yeah. So obviously, you know, we are something I, I very firmly believe is that, you know, we are all as human beings, we're diamonds. We show different sides at different times and there's lightness, there's shade, shadow within all of us. Right. Absolutely. And that Bradbury quote at the beginning, you know, of dark lines kind of, you know, talks about that darkness as well. So, yeah. So for you, what is it, Jack, that, um, you know, attracts you through, through the power of your fiction to explore the darkness? 
I don't I don't really know if, if I'm being honest. It's just always something that I've felt um drawn to. I do read other genres, but I just prefer the the darker side really to 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 books, to films, to to anything that that's fiction orientated. Um it just seems to I don't want to say oh it calls to me or anything like that. But but yeah, for for some reason I I just although you know I've there are elements of humour in, in what in what I do. A lot of it is on the is on the darker side. So no, I just, I just something I I'm comfortable in 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 writing about, reading about, and it just seems to do something for me. I, I'm not going to say why well, I have a particular interest in you know mining the, the human psyche for you know buried traumas and things like that. No, like it just seems yeah. to be something that. I don't know. I just have a, I don't want to say a knack for, but I have a, a just a, an interest in, in doing all a style that seems to lend itself well to this sort of thing. So yeah, sorry. That's a really weak answer, but I don't know. No, no, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, very honest answer. I mean, I think it was born from just, you know, so many of the, the authors that I love and the books that I read, you know, it seems like the author is always, you know, flirting with finality. You know, it's that, that, that seems to be that, that thing that the yeah. human condition the frailty the fragility i don't know whether it goes back to that old thing as well like i i like being scared or like the, the, the element of mm. or the idea of being frightened or start with that it's always been something that from a kid is is sort of felt like a, a lure to even though i was petrified of horror films and i remember i used to go to like the video store and there'd be like the horror section you have all these crazy vhs covers and it would like just looking at some of the covers <laughs> especially um oh, i'm trying to remember some specifics but i remember there was some really gnarly ones that you used to do america world from london for one thing and the, the wealth on the side of it and there was a couple of um is it like night fly remember that it was a horrible cover oh, yeah yeah king, yeah with the thing on the front and just all sorts of various That's things and i had a real thing about the exorcist for so long i wouldn't watch it because because my mum was terrified of it as as, even as a grown woman she was like no like you're never watching that and it just brought almost built this like mythology mm. out of my head of like horror is something like oh i shouldn't watch it and but mm. i just mm. got to an age and i just immersed myself within it and then obviously through all of this through time going back i was obsessed with goosebumps early doors and yeah, yeah i think it was it's just one of those things that was always there i've never been like oh like the horror guy like he collects loads of figurines and i dress up as freddy i've never been that sort of yeah weighing inclined to it but just the yeah the, the darker sort of fiction and, and films and even the stuff like i said i still watch now it is is it seems to be rooted in some sort of like horror or, or darkness or whatever it just just appeals to me really and can't really explain it but yeah that's that's yeah. where it is you mentioned that you know you're you're a keen runner and um you only spoke before because obviously you were one of our survivor types in yeah. one of our most listened to uh ever episodes i got so. i actually got really big like when i was doing ripper country i just sort of couldn't get my head in the running so just through bad diet and and, yeah. <laughs> and bad exercise I, I did get i did blow up a little bit actually after ripper country and i went on a bit of a of a <laughs> sort of run jaunt after that and i'm, I'm back into it now but, <laughs> but yeah that is me yeah <laughs> brilliant brilliant because i mean like that's that's the thing you know i i know you know often a lot of ideas i get maybe for the podcast or titles or concepts comes when i'm running or exercising where the body is engaged in something and it almost starts to free up the mind and you know yeah. marikomi talks about the impact you know he's written a book about how powerful his relationship with writing yeah, is yeah, and the link yeah. between that and his creativity does some of you know just some of the ideas you get the concepts 
have they arisen sometimes on those runs that you'll be taking? Yeah, especially if I'm in the middle of of um, of a of a story, or I got got to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to step away from it and go to the gym or go for a run, and but yeah. you know you can't turn the mind off, but because you're separated from it in some degree, your mind does wander back to it. And yeah, I've had instances where I've been out and I've had to stop and wait. Listen, even if it's just a line, like get that down, and I'll come back to that later. I've, I've had I have had it on numerous occasions, um, especially over the last sort of six months where I've been going to the gym and I've been doing this this craze that everyone's into this 1233 thing where you have the treadmill on an incline and it's essentially you're walking yeah. pretty fast but uphill that because it's not as strenuous as going for a run out in freezing cold or whatever like I have my phone on me and I've actually done quite a bit of writing while doing that <laughs> like, I, that seems to be like a good tell me about tell me about the 1233 because there's, there's gonna be there's gonna be some writers out there going right how do we do it? How do we do it? Like, <laughs> Some people might find it? it hell. Like it might not be like for everyone at all. Because obviously writing on my phone, it enables me to be able to do it. You couldn't do this with a laptop. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, all, all it is, is yeah, obviously you get on a treadmill and you set it to a, a 12% uh, grading incline, which yeah. I mean, I don't know how you'd measure it, but it, it's it's uphill, put it that way. It's, it's not, it's not very yeah, pleasant. Yeah. And it's three miles an hour for 30 minutes. Um, and it is meant to keep your body or your heart rate at a level where you're constantly burning fat so it's it's very much proportionate to if you were to go for a run but without like the physical exertion and your heart doesn't go as fast obviously if you're running but you get all the benefits out of it that you would and i've become quite obsessed with it because for someone who does (laughs) does long distance running it feels like a hack um because it does work (laughs) it it does get you going but it's not as intense so yeah and i've i've it pops into my head like i'll have some sort of weird soundtrack music on and then i'll start writing them it just seems to fly by that way so yeah i don't do it every time but say for example Mate, today i'll be probably doing some editing <laughs> with it but but yeah give it a go <laughs> i love it i love it i love it well again that's the thing isn't it you know one thing looking back um you know never thought i'd say it with rose tinted glasses to elements of that <clears throat> lockdown was for me it gave me something that i've always never had which is a bit of a gift of time you know, gave me time with my my family and my kids and, and and changes that now I've kept, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because All I'm right. like, no, hang on, you know, this, this new normal, no, I, I liked certain aspects, a lot of how we were and the simplicity of it mm. and, and connection, reconnection with nature and exercise and having time. And now it feels like, you know, again, there's a lot of time pressures. A lot of us are feeling in this very strange hybrid year. So that makes perfect it's, sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I completely understand what you're saying. Cause for mm. me personally, since, so when we went into lockdown, I think it was whenever it was in March, 2020, I haven't worked a day in the office or haven't worked a day outside of home since. So for me, yeah, it's kind yeah. of carried on. And because I've always been a bit of a shut in myself anyway, I've kind of kept, mm. <laughs> I've kind of kept COVID going really for, for, for me, the way, yeah. you know, that, that was, I still, obviously I'll go out a lot more now, but that way of living is always something that yeah. I kind of had in me. And it just mm. so happens that I've been, you know, obviously some people will probably see this as how I've been locked away for like two and a half years almost more or less, but it's worked for me. And I think, yeah, when my so when I start my new job, for example, in the new year, things will naturally become a little bit more strenuous from that perspective. So that's why I wanted to get this third book done more or less before yeah. Christmas because I'm fully expecting, unfortunately, to step away from things for a little bit and see what happens. But yeah. it seems about the right time to do it. So yeah, I totally, totally understand what you mean. Um, but I think I've gone so deep with it now that I, it 
it will be a little bit of an obsession. I'll get an idea and I'm like, okay, let's get that down. But yeah. I think next time around, I reckon it could be, it could be something longer, larger that I can invest time into more, mm. um, sort of, I wouldn't say sporadically, but over mm. more patiently. Whereas I've had all this spare time on the hands and I've just been pumping out these stories and, it's time to sort of pump the brakes a bit now, I think. Yeah, <laughs> Let's okay. have other ideas form. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, I mean, so brilliantly prolific, as you say, you know, this when when Warning Signs comes out, I mean, three really, really chunky collections in the space of a couple of years, right? I mean, um, you know, if, if you're a Jack Harding fan, why wouldn't you be, quite frankly, people? <laughs> it's it's a it's a golden, glorious time. Um, so it, it truly is, mate. And, and you've just, brilliant. For those of us wanting to be able to combine the exercise, but still be able to do stuff the, t- the 12 33 you heard it here yeah <laughs> no, i can't take credit for it it's, i've seen it everywhere but i don't know if it stretches into the world of short story writing but it doesn't help that's awesome well i think we'll have to have people sending in videos them on the treadmill with with dark lines or ripper country and Please you know be careful yeah, yeah exactly yeah we, we, we're not urging anyone to do that we're just we're just suggesting it um Jack's kind of going to do a excerpt from The Devil's Mountain, which can be found in the Dark Lines collection. So what do you think? Asked Nikki in a kind of hushed breath, her eyes still scanning the colours and the carnage through the screen on her phone as she snapped away. Dylan didn't know what to think. Teufelsberg was unlike anything he had ever seen before. It was unlike anything he'd known existed. In the summer, he imagined it was as bold as it was fascinating a colourful urban gallery surrounded by lush green trees, swirling white clouds and warming rays of sun that danced through and around the geometric towers like fire, a postcard, a Van Gogh painting. But here and now, in the clutches of the fog and the cold heart of winter, it was Salvador Dali and Stephen King, a foreboding thing of unnerving horror and twisted shadows, a chilling and surreal space where nothing lived but bad memories and sleeping ghosts. There you go. I just know I knew there was Stephen King in there. So Perfect. brilliant. <laughs> I that on brand. I love it, mate. <laughs> so we do have a bit of an exclusive as well. Jack has kindly said that he's going to read a section from uh the opening story, or what might end up being the opening story of warning signs. Um, it's called Under the Pier. Jack, just tell us a little bit about it before you uh you share us. Uh, yeah, no worries. So yeah, so it, it's Probably going to be the opening story. It may change, but I, I highly doubt it. And it's called Under the Pier at the moment. That might change as well, but <laughs> yeah. I doubt it. But the story itself is pretty set. And, and all it essentially is, is it's a guy on a pier um, reminiscing about something that happened in his childhood. And in the end, I'll bring it full circle and he sort of had a sort of bit of a mysterious um, element to it. So, yeah, that's about as much. So I, I guess I can give away about giving away too much. Late October sunlight sparkled on the grey-green of the receding tide, the waves lapping noisily against the skeleton of the old pier, which moaned and groaned as if in protest. Clumps of black and yellow seaweed twirled lazily on the surface of the steady ebb current. Flocks of gulls fought and screamed overhead as if their lives depended on it. In the distance, the fractured cries of a weary bellboy could be heard dancing on the sea breeze as it bobbed and weaved to the tune of the steady swell. It was a beautiful day, mild, bright, a tad blustery, but not so strong or persistent as to cause any real discomfort. The air was clear, yet salty. The sky a smooth and cloudless blend of light, bright and medium blues that hung in stark and pleasant contrast over the grey gloom of the estuary. The sky was so clear you could see forever. The bleached thumbprint of a waning moon, the only mark on an otherwise spotless canvas, which in this bleak and typically overcast part of England was nothing short of a miracle. 
Johnny Ailing sat at the end of the pier with little to no expression on his face. He was sagging in his seat, the gentle crosswind tugging playfully at its greasy salt and pepper locks, causing them to twist and flail about just above his shoulders in floundering coils. Over his lap, an old nylon blanket lay in a twisted heap as if dropped there by accident, as crumpled as the man's discoloured face. Beneath it, two frail hands were laced together, tucked tight between a pair of withered thighs. The old stone pier and the views it offered of the estuary, of the little fishing island to the north, the quiet little harbour to the west, and the stretch of grey-green English Channel to the east where far-off ships looked as if they were encased in glass, had been a part of Johnny for as long as he could remember. They were in his bones, his blood, a chronic, slow-growing cancer that had come to define everything about him. Johnny had been coming to this exact spot at low tide virtually every day for the better part of 22 years. It was an essential part of his routine, his being, his curse. Come rain or shine, the 35-year-old mute would undergo his strange and seamlessly senseless pilgrimage from his shabby one-bed council flat to the end of the Longstone Pier, and then he would simply sit there, head bowed, face blank, narrow eyes patrolling the surface of the sea some 30 feet below like a human lighthouse, watching, waiting, watching for that shimmer of white just beneath the surface of the murk, waiting for a sign that what he saw that dreadful day back in the summer of 76 wasn't a figment of his imagination. It was more than just a centerpiece to his bottomless recurring nightmare. There was something other than a terrible accident that took away so much. There you go. That one is is the location of that is is an exact really like shitty place in, in Portsmouth where it's it's a, an yeah. old pier, but it's more like a jetty. And it used to be where the um the outflow uh would go and it's vile but we all used to go down there when we were kids and jump off it tombstone off of it so i very much had that in mind when i was writing this i went down there the other day just to see if it is still as like decrepit as what it used to be and it is (laughs) it's so horrible i mean already brilliant things have happened but it's only going to be onwards and upwards mate and it's just been very exciting to be uh part of you know small part of of being involved in in your story man i appreciate um... that mate all right buddy jack all the best man yeah have a nice day speak later cheers buddy Bye. bye bye The Long Talk was written, presented and produced by Matt Robinson. All episodes of King Size available wherever you pod. Find us on Instagram at King Size Podcast. Music, end credits by Last Picture Show. Keep it king size.